Hey folks, thanks for tuning in for another episode of Gaming Historia. This week is a little bit different. Our newest podcast, In Search of the Story, has launched and will be up officially Wednesday, which is its normal spot. We talk about that in that podcast, but we're going to showcase it on the Gaming Historia channel this week. We'll be back to the normal Gaming Historia starting next Monday, but this will give you an early preview, let you see if you like the show. If so, you can find it. It should be up on iTunes, hopefully by the end of the week, but we'll make sure that you have all the access to that. With that said... Enjoy the show, and we'll see you next week. Thanks. All right, hey, and welcome to a new podcast on the Historia Network. Uh, You know us best from Gaming Historia, which is where it all started. We've been teasing new shows coming out. This is the next big one. Um, the Chloe and Chris thing is is our second show officially, but it's whenever the kid can do her stuff. Um, this is our second full weekly show that you will get in your ear holes every Wednesday. Um, it is completely different from Gaming Historia, even though my voice is the same. You will notice a stark difference in my co-host in just a second. Um so this is Chris Gravel, if you couldn't tell by the voice already, the, uh, you know, never shutting up guy. And the name of this podcast, if you couldn't tell from probably the image that I created for it, uh, it's a Historia Network Presents In Search of the Story. And uh, I'm going to introduce my co-host and let them talk a little bit about what we're planning to do with it, because this was their brainchild. This is... Olivia Volarich, right? Yes, that is the perfect pronunciation. I want to. I, I knew I was going to drop it, even though you told me literally a minute ago how to say it. No, it's. I okay. was going to screw it up. We went over what the the you know motherland pronunciation of it is versus what I say in everyday life. So, Volarich is is right on the nose. All right, there we go. So Olivia Volarich. <laughs> One of the new members of the Historia Network of Podcasting Mm -hmm. and whatever else. And this is her brainchild. Whenever she came on, we started talking about what kind of podcast we'd want to do. And she threw this out almost immediately. And so I will let her explain what In Search of the Story is going to be all about as we move forward with the show. Yeah, so... When Chris and I first started talking about the idea for this show, we were trying to think of a way to discuss how gaming can be a positive force in people's lives. And that can range from physically positive, like the the health benefits of playing games in terms of hand-eye coordination, uh, mental benefits. Uh, And so we sort of came up with this idea of looking for not only story in the sense of narrative within a games within games but story in terms of elements that you may notice in gaming that people don't necessarily spend a lot of time talking about so that's kind of where this whole idea developed and um, for me 
this idea evolved uh, after I began playing a game called The First Tree, and uh, I forced Chris to download it. Chris, should I be talking to you saying you, or should I be talking to you in like third person? No, yeah, straight, just talking to me. You and me are having a conversation. Okay, yeah, so so, so yeah, you were able to play the, the first tree and... Um, yeah, you forced me to buy it and play it. <laughs> well, <laughs> I mean, I, I don't think I could have communicated well enough the experience that I had unless you were able to play it yourself. And uh, No, I, it was funny watching you play it because... It looked like you had just learned there was a Disneyland, and you were like five, and you just got there. Like, you, yeah. your eyes were like saucer seeing it for the first time. <laughs> it was, it's very, very funny. Yeah, um, I mean that was not not in a mean way. It's awesome, but um, <laughs> that I was... think I had a little different experience, which we'll get into. Yeah, let's. I, I, why don't we dive into the first tree then? Um, so really quickly to to give some background information. Uh, it was created by a technical artist uh, named David Wheel, um, and he actually made the game without any coding knowledge. Can you believe that? Uh, I can't do that. <laughs> uh, I'm not that smart. <laughs> yeah. I know how to talk. He, he, he did it without any, uh, any coding knowledge, and he used the, a lot of presets from what I've read in Unity and... Uh, it just kind of, uh, as he said, he wanted it to be an example for other people that want to make games but just don't know how to code. And he was like, look, you you can do this. I did it without any coding knowledge. So I thought that was a great element. But he's, Yeah, I think that's awesome. Yeah, and, and so the story follows uh, a fox, essentially. You're playing as this little fox and running around these beautiful landscapes um all the while you're hearing this narrator uh a male narrator and his uh wife talk to each other um and it was based on the creator losing his father unexpectedly and uh the story sort of follows his uh emotional journey and coming to grips with that loss and i I, chris i want to hear about your experience because we actually haven't talked about it yet no we haven't i've I've stayed quiet. We've talked about everything. The, <laughs> if if you listen to Gaming Historia, the Beyonce, Michael Jackson fight has continued in to our conversations, but I have kept this to myself to this point. I mean, we like everything's been discussed, but not this. So, but because I because I, I wanted to have a real discussion where uh, she didn't, where you didn't. Why did I say she? Why you <laughs> didn't know what I was talking about or how I felt about it. So after we talked about it the first time, I bought it, downloaded it. It took three minutes to download. It's a fairly small file. It's not a very big game. Um, and I started playing it. And the game itself, uh, so this is a, an argument about technical uh, prowess with, with what you're doing with your game and uh, aesthetic prowess. And mm-hmm. I will say the game has really good aesthetics. Whenever you get up to, you know, trees and rocks and stuff like that, there's no texturing work that you would expect. It's very almost PS2 level texturing work and stuff like that. So you, it's very you can't stylized. Go into this, yeah, and you, and you can't go into it looking for a technical masterpiece. You're going into it for the storytelling. It's a walking simulator with 
some jumping puzzles and the jumping puzzles are easy the the jumping sometimes gets a a little bit hairy just because how the camera worked but again from a guy who didn't doesn't know how to code it's it's brilliant how it's done my biggest issue with it and it's gonna be weird to say this and i think it's appropriate because kevin smith whenever we're recording this excuse me um whenever we're recording this this is shortly after Kevin Smith had his massive heart attack, if, if you've been following anything. Um, he's fine as of our recording, so hopefully I'm not pulling up some bad wounds. He's, <laughs> he's, he's back at home and doing well as of today from what I've seen. And I've been a big fan of Kevin Smith my whole life. He's a big talker. I have a tendency to talk a lot, and I've kind of related to him in, in that sense. Um but one of the things is I studied clerks whenever I was in film school and I could never get past his dialogue. I'm fine with it because it's Kevin Smith's style of dialogue, but it's not natural. And I got that same feeling in the first tree is it sounded more like a novel that was being read as opposed to two people having a conversation, um, which took me out of the immersion a little bit. I agree. Some of the dialogue can come off a little clunky. I really didn't like how the narrators would call each other my love. It just felt like yeah. sickeningly. Uh, sorry, that don't don't keep that in there. <laughs> I I want to speak. Might. I want to speak positively about the game because I, I I'm here to talk about my experience and why it affected me so much. Yeah. But there were. I definitely had some issues with it as well and that was kind of one of my biggest things it's like you are really laying it on thick with this dialogue about how into each other you are and I think when it comes down to it it, that might have been kind of on purpose that they had the dialogue in such such a way because it was trying to like demonstrate how much this character this male character, Joseph, was relying on his wife because he essentially didn't have anyone else. And Yeah, I, I could see that. The biggest stuff that bothered me, like the, the kind of saccharine sweetness of it, of, you know, my love and all that stuff. I mean, that was his real wife. So mm-hmm. maybe that's just how they talk and that's fine. Whatever your pet name is, that's fine. It's, you know... The, that part didn't bother me as much as like there were certain parts where he's like, you know, as we sat in that camouflage truck driving over those rocky hills and filling every bump as we sat in silence because that's the way we liked it. And the the wind blew just right as our hair ruffled. I'm like, nobody talks like that in real life. That's how you write a novel. That's a descriptive novel. Yeah. And that's where it kind of got weird, you know, because for me, if if I was telling you the story of me and my dad driving in a truck over a rocky hill with the wind blowing through our hair. Like we had the windows down in the truck and the road was crap. I mean, that's, that's as descriptive as I'm not going to, Oh, the road was, and it's a style choice the same. And that's why I brought up Kevin Smith. Cause Kevin Smith's dialogue is how he writes is very much a style choice. It's his style. Um, and this, this is very much his style. You know I mean? The guy, it's still a, a good story. It didn't resonate with me that much. But I understood where he was coming from, and I saw the emotional aspects to the story. It just didn't hit me. Mm-hmm. And, and I think it was just because of that. I felt like I should be reading this as a book instead of listening to two people 
acting like they're having a real conversation. It it, mm-hmm. it, it didn't sound like natural script writing, like a, a, an actual dialogue. Yeah, and I, I I think that's a very valid opinion. I I I felt it too. But when when you say like, oh, I, I didn't really like, I guess identify for lack of a better word, uh, with the story. I think that's kind of the epitome of why people play video games because not only are you looking for a different experience or each person is looking for a certain experience from gaming um, and just like every person is different, every person will then relate to a character in a different way. They may or may not relate to them. So I was so affected by this story purely based on like the content of his story. Like his strained relationship with his dad and uh, being a... uh, He was kind of a problem child, it sounds like, and angsty teen. Like, I don't know who can't relate to that. Um, Right. But I think what really brought it all together for me was the element of the fox's journey and how his very specific, very personal story as a son was it was able to be paralleled with the journey of this mother fox and it it's all about like the story ending at where life begins which i thought was just incredible like an incredibly beautiful message i and that was kind of why i enjoyed this game so much is that i would find these underlying messages that were woven into the gameplay and mechanics and and the story like for example there would be many times where I would be wandering around and I would hear myself say, like, where the heck am I supposed to go? Like, I have no idea. And then I would step back and think, oh my gosh, like, this is a parallel to the story that they're trying to tell. It's like, he feels lost and alone and he has no idea what he should be doing right now in his life. Like, just like this fox, like, she doesn't know exactly where she's going so uh, it was that was kind of what hit me the most was finding these little messages that are able to be applied to everyday life kind of like you don't really know where you're going but the most important thing is that you keep going and it's the journey to the destination that matters the most and that changes you and that affects you it's not the destination yeah i i get that from it and I don't know. I, I and and I thought like I, the dialogue or the writing is one thing, the delivery is another, and I think they delivered it really well. I think that it's. I thought they were. I didn't until you mentioned it. I didn't know that that the people who did the voice acting were a husband and wife, and the husband is the guy who created the game. That it sounded very professional. It didn't. There there was a little bit of hokiness to it um, from an outsider's perspective. Um, but I mean, you can say that about any relationship that you look in on for them, they have their little quirks in their relationship of how they treat each other, that they love about each other and how they talk about each other but from outside. You're like, Oh yeah, you guys are real cute. Um, <laughs> and, and that's kind of what I got from it, but it never felt insincere and, and it just, it felt like the story was there, but they were trying to make sure they stuck to a novelized version of a script but the delivery itself was good. I mean, it sounded like they actually really cared about each other. That came through in, in their performances. So I thought it was a lot like Bastion 
whenever Bastion first came out, the narrator thing was a really big deal that the narrator would pop up mm-hmm. and describe what you're doing. And this kind of does something similar. Instead of saying what the fox is doing every time, he talks about his past and you find little pieces that, and, and maybe you can tell me this, because there were parts where he would talk about things that happened and I would dig up like a little hole and get a piece of that. And then whenever I'd turn, I would see stuff that he was mentioning. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if I missed it or if that pops in after he says it. Like you're saying the order in which you discover those like columns of light. Well, there was like, there was one point where I dug up something and, and a cop car gets mentioned in the story. Uh-huh. And then whenever I turn, there's a cop car sitting there and i and i don't know if i just didn't look over there or if it appeared after i hit that point it's definitely just sitting there okay like there are there are things within the environment that are like i guess kind of woven into the environment that as you go past them you'll be like oh yeah like i see that in the story or like i recognize that from the story they were telling or like you'll find it and be like what the heck is an old mattress doing here and then you'll right. you'll find the right little segment of the the narrative that clues you into like oh yeah like we had a place where we would go and camp and actually I don't think the mattress was linked to the, the narrative at all yeah but you you get what I'm saying like you you find like bottle rockets and a tent and uh, an old log yeah. cabin and that sort of thing then that was that was something that is pretty impressive with it because. It happened more than once that I would be direct, not really directed, but there's a little bit of a sense of direction that they kind of push you occasionally in certain directions with giving you these little lights that actually are, I thought they were, frankly, I thought they were dumb until I finished the game. And then I thought they were brilliant, these lights that you try to collect. Mm -hmm. Um, But with how they pushed you and stuff, it worked really, really well, on, and, and I think everybody's going to have a different experience, but it worked really well on multiple occasions where I would go to a spot, and then the story would start, and right as I turned, then the cop car was there, or the house was there, or whatever, and it was this, it's just how he laid it out, and and, and I think that was, that's the brilliance behind the design. I, I don't mean to come down on what he did at all because of my lack of, uh, you know, because of how it sounded like a novel. That's that's a minor quibble about the whole thing because the story's still good. Mm-hmm. But the design of how he laid things out was, I think that's brilliant because I thought that stuff was popping in randomly. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I, th- I think the, the best part of this game, like, like you mentioned before, is that it just really does feel sincere. Like you can forgive all the hokiness and forgive the clumsy mechanics because it, comes across as the dialogue and the story itself comes across as very sincere like they're they're talking about very raw very realistic feelings and and this these sort of feelings really really can affect and touch people like everyone has had some some sort of loss in their lives and I think that's the beauty of this game and and kind of where we were looking to go with this with this episode was that like games can really help you in terms of mental clarity and processing emotions and I think this game did just that because it it was so sincere with its message yeah I think it, 
are we do you still want to cover more on this or can we kind nah, of start I to go down keep, the rabbit hole yeah i think we can keep going. okay because i'm about to go down a rabbit hole yeah let's do it um so there's there's a jrpg that came out on 360 um that was by the guy that did like the blue dragon game and he, he had worked on final fantasy games before and then he split off and missed walker studios i think is who did it and it was called lost odyssey and it is a game that's worth watching let's plays of especially if they're people that take their time because there's a lot the story's about a guy who's basically immortal or living for a long long time i actually stopped playing it a chunk of the way through because it got too heavy for me at the time um but because he would live so long and the people around him wouldn't he would as you went through the game and you know it's a traditional final fantasy type of you know turn-based combat system leveling up using magic and stuff like that Mm -hmm. but then he starts to get he doesn't have his memories he starts to get him back and reading letters and he's reading letters about like his daughter who has now died because she's outlived him and he's still the same age and watching all these people that he loved continue to grow old why he doesn't and and somebody's going to correct me about lost odyssey because this is i haven't played the game forever it's very i actually still own it but i i don't have a 360 or an xbox one so i can't play it anymore um but it's been a long time since i played it i just remember the raw emotions that it made me feel whenever i played it and it was not through dialogue or anything like that it was through letters that he would find and they were they were brutal with emotion Mm. and with the aspect of immortality or at least a longer life as you watch the people that you love die that you know because yeah i know that i'm going to lose my grandparents and my parents hopefully before me you know that's that's their hope that's my hope and the same thing my hope is that my kid outlives me by hundreds of years if if it's possible Mm -hmm. but for him his kids were going through the regular lifespan and he wasn't really aging and so he watched he watched his you know his wife or people or, or other family members that he loved grow old as he stayed the same age and it's a lot about that loss and and it's not like they were taken away brutally. It was you get to watch their whole life knowing what's coming and that you're going to be stuck with their memories. Yeah. And that game was, I think that's probably the game that hit me the hardest emotionally. That, um, that sounds brutal because we're taught, it, we're taught as mortals that the whole point of living is the road to death. You know, like you've got to make right. the journey there worth it. So what's the yeah. point of living a life without an end that sounds really morbid but you know it's kind of like well, no but it's it, true it, there aren't there isn't really anything at stake unless you obviously get killed but if if, if you have yeah. the ability to live forever then it's kind of it i that if, sounds heart-wrenching i'm not familiar with the game but it it sounds it, it i mean it it got me you know people say like final fantasy spoilers if you haven't played a 20 year old game um Whenever Eris dies in Final Fantasy, people say that was like their big emotional moment. And for me, it wasn't. I was pissed because I was like, just throw a phoenix down on her. Like, it works everywhere else in the game. Why is it not working here? And it it didn't work in the context of the game. So Final Fantasy VII, 
as as much as people love that game, that's a major plot issue that I had, and it gave me no emotional feedback. I, mean, I got mm-hmm. nothing except for anger out of it. Mm-hmm. But this Lost Odyssey game, it's it it got to the point that I could not play it. I I would get so depressed and so emotional because it was so well written, and you know. It may be rose-colored glasses, and I'm looking back on it a little bit, mm-hmm. but but it is a very very brutal, emotional game. But it's it's a great game too. It's worth playing. Yeah, but isn't it incredible that a game was able to make you feel that? I I, I feel like that's kind of the, oh, the yeah. point that we're trying to get at is that video games have sort of evolved into this perfect vehicle for intense storytelling because you are the one that has to interact with the medium in order to progress in the story. There's nothing else out there that's like it. You know, like film happens to you. You sit there, you watch, you're a spectator. I think reading is uh, its own thing entirely, but like just in the same way, games are their own thing entirely. Like um, I I think your example is, is perfect in showing that games have a lot more to offer us as players than simply like pleasure and adrenaline and escape. There's like, they have so much more power in, in affecting our emotions and taking us on a journey like an emotional journey. (laughs) Yeah. And so, so this is partly a call out to the gaming Historia pool that is currently going on. Um, FIFA, 17 <laughs> i i always get fifa in somewhere um the i don't think i i don't know if i mentioned this to you but there's a pool with the people who do the podcasting stuff that and i don't know if the pool's real but it's an ongoing joke that they're trying to figure out which episode i won't be able to mention fifa in so i bring fifa up again the street continues. But you didn't eloquently tie show. that in. You just kind of like. I'm about to, oh, but I, oh, I wanted okay. to give the the preamble was was to catch you up. I wasn't. Oh, gonna, okay, okay. I mean, if I didn't get to it, I was going to yell FIFA at the end right before we finished. Oh um, come on! <laughs> I, I have to. I had to find a way. But here's the thing: in FIFA 17, they started the first story mode called the Journey. Um, that's what triggered it is whenever you were talking about the journey. Mm-hmm. Um, we should also talk about play... journey, the game. So see, I, I haven't, I don't know if I played it or not. That's okay. Um, Conti- I want to hear about the journey. So the journey takes you as you start off as like a little kid in FIFA 17 and you play your first match, you know, out on the schoolyard. And so, you know, the, the hunters are this big legend, uh, legendary family in soccer in this kind of fictionalized world of FIFA where all the teams are real, but there's some imaginary players, but you'll meet through FIFA 17 and FIFA 18 through going through the journey of Alex Hunter. You'll meet, you know, Cristiano Ronaldo, Thomas Mueller, uh, you know, all kinds of different big name players that are real life players. But the thing with that game is I've been a, a soccer football fan my whole life. Um, but playing that, it was very different because it added this huge level of stress because I was playing a – what did I play? I, pl- I played a central attacking midfielder, so I wasn't the striking role. And so, you know, it, it was a little bit harder for me to score. And 
if I didn't score enough, I wasn't getting enough money in the game. I wasn't getting the fans. The managers weren't respecting me. Um, they weren't putting me into play, things like that. And you get invested because you want this Alex Hunter kid to make it. And all of a sudden you start feeling like Alex Hunter. And it changed it from being every year I'm going to get the new FIFA to play ultimate team and a season and stuff like that mm-hmm. to now I'm looking, even if FIFA's not good in FIFA 19, I will continue with the journey because I've now done two years of his story and he's growing into a bigger and bigger player. And I want to see where he goes next. And it gets into family issues and stuff like that. But you get more stressed about it because they put a lot of weight and emotion behind it. And it's not it's not to the level of other storytelling games are, but it is extremely well done. If you're a football fan or if you've had experience in sports where you tried to compete at a higher level, um, it'll hit you there. If, if you've never really been a big sports person or or tried to compete at more than just like a minor league or or adult league or Sunday league level, mm-hmm. it, it probably won't hit you. But if you've tried to move beyond that, it's going to get you because you're seeing this kid like chasing his dreams and, you know, he has some natural talent, but it's mainly through hard work and the voice actors are great. I mean, it's... It, in something like a sports game, you would never expect to get a story that actually gets you invested in the characters. And this one does. You know, I know all the characters in it. I can't wait for next year so I can see what happens. Yeah, that um, would definitely be a selling point for me. Like, I, I personally don't play a lot of sports games, but I I played volleyball in college, as I've, I've told you before. And as yeah. an athlete, I am now interested in playing that game because you told me about this story. Like, and it, it's fun. It sounds, it's, it, yeah, really compelling. They they actually, um, they, his, so I was concerned where they were going to go in the future with it, like after 19 or 20, whenever he's at that point where he's the top of the pops, you know, you can't get any better. And, you know, like, we don't need a story where it's over four years, it becomes great, and then we get a year where he falls, and then we have to rebuild for four years. You know, get him to the top. We worked hard to get him there. But they introduced his sister in 2018, or his half-sister, and she plays for the U.S. Women's National Team. And you play a couple games as her, and you start to kind of follow her story a little bit. And how you do while you play as that character affects the relationship and interactions that Alex and his sister have. And it's it's awesome. So I, I'm hoping, um, I don't know if a lot of FIFA fans are hoping this, but I'm hoping that that means that we're going to get either a spinoff or, or, you know, after Alex's story is done, we pick up with her story because she's a lot younger. And we look at what it's like to play on the women's U.S. national team on the national level as opposed to playing, you know, like in the Premier League or Bundesliga or something like that. And and it gives a different dynamic because you're playing against different countries. And with the World Cup coming up, that could be awesome this year if they pull it off for 19. Wow, they should um, definitely pursue this young woman's story because I think now is the time to really focus on women. I don't want to go in this direction. Sorry, Chris. Um, no, I, but, but that's I, the rabbit hole. I, that's the rabbit hole we go. Yeah, down. I, I think, I think it could be. I, I think it could be a really good idea to pursue this young woman's story, especially with everything that has come to light with um, the highest level of female athletes and uh I'm, I'm thinking right now of the women's gymnastics team and the horror they went through with their team doctor like you know I, yeah. I think bringing to light some of those issues in in a narrative could 
and, and I don't want the, to tr- them to try and capitalize off of like you know s- big news stories. Like I guess that's kind of sensationalist. But I, how how else do you start a conversation about these hard hitting topics uh, without addressing it you start head a on? Podcast. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't know if EA has the balls to do it. Um, but I mean, because that's that's some pretty rough stuff to get into. And if you want to go down that line, by all means, it's your prerogative. Go for it. Tell that story. Um, but I don't know that EA is going to put that in their biggest selling franchise. And I think that's that's okay because games are also a place to escape. And maybe I want to get away from this constant barrage of the terrible things that are happening in the world. But yeah, at the same point, it needs to get out there to to start a discussion you know i mean it's we we are going to get into very very hot button subjects as we move further and further down the line and we are we are toeing the line right now like i can feel where this conversation is about to go so well i i totally get (laughs) i i get ea's image and i get that they want fifa to be a positive experience you are the highest level of professional athlete you will perform at your best. You are performing for the glory of your country, for the glory of your team. Like, <laughs> I get that, and I get, like, they want to keep their story as positive as possible. But yeah. if you're trying to make an impact on the player, an emotional impact on the player, you can only sustain that with lovey-dovey, feel-good, everything's going my way storylines for so long you know and um, i think i will concede that an ea fifa storyline about trainer abuse is never gonna happen (laughs) and it's probably not the right vehicle for that message but i I well i mean in the same way they never did michael vick's dogfighting simulator and you know we were all looking forward to that whenever that happened i never heard about that and i (laughs) sincerely hope you're kidding yeah, no. It, it so Michael Vick was like this. No, I know, wonder, I know who he is, yeah. and I know the story. Oh, okay. But like, no. Uh-uh. <laughs> so, so the joke was was that EA was going to do a dogfighting simulator because Vick was such a big deal, and they were going to capitalize on his name. It it was never anything that was actually considered. It was an ongoing joke. And, but it was a joke uh, in like the fan community. Yeah, yeah. Not any EA didn't come out and go look forward to our dogfighting simulator. No. They don't touch that stuff. They they worry about their PR, which they, you know, I mean. Well, okay, I think there's a difference between creating a simulator where yeah. animals <laughs> attack each other for the enjoyment of people. Like, right. that is, <laughs> that's disgusting. But, like, yeah, if no, you're I, focusing on. I know that's on, a whole different ballpark. Yeah, like, focusing on a mental and physical abuse, like, abuse struggle that a, a young woman has to go through like obviously that doesn't really appeal to young men playing fifa right and the the thing with it is i, I just i think in a game like fifa it's mainly that's not a fifa's not an outlet for tackling issues i think yeah bioware has done well with it so ea does have groups in there that can handle those issues because um, bioware dealt a lot with homosexuality in dragon age and in mass effect 
Um, probably not to the level that that it should be handled, but it at least started breaking down a couple bricks in the wall to to start discussing that to give you the options at least that you didn't have to play a either a straight big buff guy or a straight super over the top you know beautiful woman voluptuous woman (laughs) yeah i don't know i don't know what the right way to describe what that type of you know curvaceous yeah um like hourglass but even more so like 36 25 36 yeah, but more like 36, 12, 36. I mean, you know, they're just, their proportions are so out of, out of whack. And Bioshock and, not Bioshock, uh, Bioware, uh, they, they started moving their games to where you could do that. You could have characters who didn't fit into the stereotypes that we've been playing with forever. And I, and may, Again, we're towing that line of, of another podcast that's going to be yeah, like we've, four hours long. We've really gone in a different direction here. <laughs> I told you wrenches. I told you wrenches were going to be coming from all angles. No, um, but I think these are all like this was a natural segue because how else do you yeah. create a compelling narrative? You incorporate new and uncomfortable elements into your story that haven't been done before. Boom. Yeah. And- and and EA ha- and and I guess that's the whole point is EA has groups that can do that and um I think that I I picked up Monster Hunter World to you know to pretend that I had time to play games I wanted to play um <laughs> and I played it for a few minutes last night and the thing that got me is it has this really robust character creator but then I made a female character to see what the female characters look like because I'd already seen the male characters. And I hadn't really looked at the game. She comes out. She is this big, strong, ripped woman. And I'm like, hey, what a novel idea that if you're trying to create this semi-realistic world of people who carry swords that are, you know, 10 feet long and fight basically dinosaurs and dragons, the woman should not be five foot six and 108 pounds. She should be this big Amazonian type. She should. Yeah, because she would. She should be what Wonder Woman is in the was originally in the comics, a big, you know tree trunks for legs but yeah you know i mean it, and it was all i was super impressed yeah like you don't want to snap your tiny neck and back trying to carry a huge sword so now i did look for the bikini option and i didn't see it for armor Bravo. so i'm going to continue to search for that but um I, I am i am unashamed of my attraction to the female form uh, but if you we are if going you, to get into a podcast on that. Here's a great question. I actually had this conversation with uh, my a couple friends last weekend. If you were a woman for a day, what 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 would you imagine yourself as? And I'll, do you want me to give you my answer first so you understand what I'm the question yeah, that I'm asking? So when my friend, yeah, because I'm, I'm not sure. I'm I don't I don't remember exactly how we started talking about this conversation, but it was kind of just like being the opposite sex for a day and I was like if I were a guy I'd be that like grungy like really emotional artsy artsy guy like I'd always wear a leather jacket and these like dirty 
worn biker boots, but I don't own a motorcycle, you know? And I always smell like cigarettes, but I don't (laughs) smoke cigarettes. (laughs) And I would like, I'd like make you feel really uncomfortable with how like emotional and how like into my craft I was. But then like when I think about it, like I'd want to be someone completely different on another occasion, you know? So it's, it's, it's sometimes kind of fun to think of some of the people you've encountered in your life in the opposite sex and think like, man, like if I ever in an alternate reality and in, in another life were a different gender, like how would I, how would I be or what would it be fun to try? And when I asked my guy friend this, he's like, I would just want to wear a dress all day. Like I just want to experience <laughs> that freedom. And I was like, John, that's beautiful. <laughs> I, I have, said it in a podcast before i have worn a dress in public nice um at work so in front of a lot of people so yeah whenever i I worked for gamestop a long time ago when the mario kart game came out i dressed up as princess peach um yes love it in the princess peach dress with the wig still had my beard god i hope Um, i see a picture of that one day I've been looking for it. I, I have one more hard drive that I got to dig through. That's an older hard drive that I just found. Um, <laughs> so I'm going to plug it in and see if I can find the picture. Because if so, it's going all over the place. I'm going to let the world ve- <laughs> just bask in the beauty of Chris Gravel dressed as Princess Peach with his... I was in my young 20s, so I ha- my beard wasn't the majestic beard that I have now. It was the learning how a beard works stage. Uh-huh. Um, <laughs> but now I have I have that majestic beard, so it'd be a very different picture. But it was, it was a great, beard. like, oh, I mean, you know, I have to have the right product and shave it <laughs> the exact right, you know. I, I am not a high upkeep person, but my beard I do watch out for. Uh, I, gotta make sure I hear people its... get attached to beards, so I, I guess I, I can understand. I shaved it once. I shaved it once, and nobody could get over it they i did not i was not me anymore like the beard is more chris gravel than the person that's wearing it so um (laughs) this is amazing with us because now that i think about it i i helped a friend in high school with a a photo shoot uh when i was in photography class and he had me dress up as this like androgynous like biker greaser and now I'm like, I need to find that picture and we can post it along with yep. this podcast. <laughs> I need it. I, that's going to be the cover photo. You need to find okay. the picture so it can be the cover. I'll have to text um, him. He actually works at Vice now, if you can believe it. Mm. That's awesome. Yeah. Uh, Vice has done some good stuff. Yeah, he's Not really talented. They... Yeah, but that's awesome. Um, yeah. So, So do I need to answer this question if I was a woman for a day? I, th- I mean, you'd be Princess Peach. But if you if you have an idea, go for it. I know this has been a bit of a tangent. I, I just, mean, so, you know. So we'll, we'll, we'll give some uh, how the sausage is made. Whenever Olivia and I talk, it generally never how goes the, the way that. How the sausage is made? Oh, God. Yeah, that, oh, you know, that's God. the story. <laughs> oh, I hate <laughs> that's that. That's the story. All right, all right, all right. <laughs> Do you prefer if I say how the moist cupcakes were made? No. No, no, I, I'll try and think of a, of a better analogy. Well, but yes, I, I get where you're going with, with how, it, how it's made, unwrapped. Hey, 
How? Yeah, how, I, I will give you a peek behind the curtain. Yes. Okay. Um, <laughs> every every time that Olivia and I are going to have a quick uh, discussion about <laughs> you know the podcast or a plan. It, we forget to talk about the podcast until like halfway through because we're talking about it it almost it always starts off work related but then who knows where it ends up and that's why we're like we have to do a podcast because it's never going to stick to what it's supposed to be about um, yeah, and then usually so it's like kinda... oh i have a side story like and then then you start telling the story and then that has another branch that goes in a different direction and then before you know it we're talking about <laughs> How swimmers like never eat or sleep, and they're always together, and they're in their, their own cult, and we're like, how the hell did we start talking about this? Right. Oh, oh and you brought me back to why I brought up behind the curtain. So, <laughs> so if I were to be female for the day, so you know, I I have the problem of always being gawked at by women everywhere I go. So, oh, such a problem. <laughs> I would want to be a like the bearded woman from The Greatest Showman. Because <laughs> my daughter loves that character. Oh, um, that is oh. You need to include it one of those like audio effects. Oh, because that's just like yeah, the I, sweetest <laughs> answer. You you do it for your daughter. Yeah. I, and and I use her as a cop out for a lot of answers that I don't want to give, and I don't get gawked out all the time. But <laughs> my real answer would be the bearded woman because Chloe is such a big fan, and I would like to have that that experience of. You know, I'm a normal person. I don't, I don't have any kind of. Yeah. yeah. Um, I don't have any kind of differences in my body that that set me apart that that make people look and go, huh? You know, so being the bearded woman, I would immediately go to the mall, go to McDonald's, go to everywhere where there's just a whole bunch of people who have no filters, and just get that reaction. So you want to draw people in. I, I want to see what it's like to to be on the receiving end of being stared at because you do not fit the mold. Um, you want to be on the receiving end of the male gaze, but it's not really the male gaze because it's more of like the uncomfortable, unsure of what you feel about. Yeah, what they're you're like, seeing. why is there a woman with a beard? Yeah, um, in a princess you know, peach but, dress too. Right. I would also be okay with going out as like a dead or alive character of of being like of that crazy proportions just to see what it's like to be absolutely gawked at. And cause you, you see like that, that meme where the guy's holding his girlfriend's hand and he's looking back. Yeah. Yeah. That that, you know, I mean, you see that everywhere. You can tell whenever somebody's taking a peek at somebody, that's why you might as well just make it obvious. But I I would be interested in what it's like to be on the receiving end of that um, more frequently than I currently am. I don't want to say I'd never have to experience it, but it's, you know, if I was like Hitomi from Dead or Alive, yeah. dressed like they dress, then I would be gawked at all day. And that would be an interesting experience because then I would understand that half of it a little bit more. Yeah. Yeah. So. Trying something new. That's kind of the whole point of that question is like, what would you be open to? to trying if you had the opportunity to change everything about yourself or not everything you know or could I be a mermaid yeah yeah be a mermaid hell yeah i want to be ariel i want to be an i want to be ariel be a bearded ariel oh god you can't you can't put a beard on ariel she's she's not a great character whenever you really get down to her personality traits do you think her beard would be 
red too. Oh, uh... be like more of like a russet, like, because isn't that how it is? Like redheads' beards are generally a little bit lighter. Yeah, they're a little bit darker. They're almost like oh, I thought they were like more like blonde colored, like like. Oh well, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. I think you're right, actually. Uh, yeah, reverse that. Yeah, the beard is generally a little bit lighter than the hair, unless we're wrong. Then it's the other way. I have no idea. Whatever. I have no <laughs> it's, idea. But they're not the same color. They're they're similar in color, but yeah. unless we're wrong about that, it c- we're not. We don't really care. There's um, only one beard expert here. So, but if Ariel had a beard, it feels like that's a deeper question. And yeah, I think it would be the natural hair color. Um, yeah, that like red, like red number five that you get in a lollipop. Yeah, I was wondering if you're asking if she dyed her hair or not. And so, no, I, I think she was a natural redhead. Oh, so I think obviously. her beard would also be red. Yeah, you're so right. So. But it'd be like a mustache. It wouldn't be like a full on like mountain man beard. Okay, wait, should yeah, we let's I, should we circle back? Yeah, let's get back to what the actual topic is, because we should do a podcast at some point about the transformation of Ariel into a human. Yeah. And and it'll be an explicit podcast because there will be some questions that you can't answer in a family friendly way. Um, we can do like a deconstruction of Disney print uh, of like classical Disney princesses. Yeah. Well, maybe that. Hey, look at that. Copyright. Boom. Um, boom. Dropped it. Dropped it. Um, so, but we will get into that. So let's circle back. Where were we? We were talking about stories and eliciting emotion. Yeah. Right? Is that where we eliciting were? emotion? And and so that's kind of where we fell down the FIFA hole with like, like <laughs> twenty minute rabbit hole. <laughs> I think it was more like thirty. <laughs> but <laughs> whatever, whatever it was, this is this is what you people are getting yourselves into every single episode. But, like, I think what you and I were both getting at was that going outside of the norm and the accepted format of gaming narratives, and I'm thinking in in terms of games that build a story around the game mechanics, like, if a, if a designer, like a studio, is willing to put the effort into the narrative, then then you can elevate that game to the next level. And as a player, it gives you an experience where you can like really connect with that content and get something back from it, which I think is the biggest right. goal. Yeah, I agree. And I, I, I think there's, I, I think that you have your visual novels, you have your, walking simulators which are straight story games and you have different levels of of where narration can take you in a game but you know like i said with lost odyssey that was one where it just all kind of came together and with virtual reality coming around with augmented reality um you know those kind of things i i think there's room for even more story to start happening and actually as you're going i feel like there's a story that i just I loved, and I can't remember what it was. Until um, Dawn. Did you play I, Until Dawn? I, <laughs> I played it a little bit. Um, it was fun watching uh, the cheerleader die. Um, 
I don't even know if she died in it. I just she's the only one I can remember off the top of my head. I can't. Um, I can't remember her name, and I I think I I remember who you're talking about. Um, but I'm pretty sure the first time I played it through, I she didn't die. I see. I didn't. I didn't finish it. Um, but yeah, I know what you're talking about. Um, but yeah, what was the game that you were thinking of? I'm I'm looking at right now. Um, I'm looking at the best stories of all. T- well, I was gonna say where I found this, but let's see. You're looking up best stories of all time. Yeah, to see if it triggers what it was. Um, so okay, so yeah, I, I'll. So I'm looking at this on Games Radar. It's the 30 best game stories of all time. I'm just going to see if any of them click with me. Yeah. Um, do you want me to just keep the, talking while you're reading? Because I can do that. You can, or I can I can mention a few of them in their spots, and you can react. Yeah, let's Either do it. Way. Yeah. Okay, so their 30th is Uncharted 2. Um, is that Drake's Deception? Among Thieves. Among Thieves. Um, I, yeah. I did not play that one. No reaction. That, <laughs> that I played through in a day. Really? Yep, I started in the morning, finished it in the evening. It was oh my god! Whenever I was a stay-at-home dad with Chloe, Chloe is gonna hate me one day whenever she's old enough and she listens to this and realizes that I just had her laying in her crib all day while I was watching her as I sat there and played <laughs> Uncharted all the way through. But I I like the Uncharted story. I wouldn't say it's one of the best stories. You know, uh, I think uh, Nathan Drake was the first video game character that I was ever attracted to. Because I didn't know that that could be what? a thing, and I didn't know yeah. I like he's just so charming and and how oh, how yeah. hilarious is it that he's just a completely fictional character? But I'm still just like, wow, like wow, he is I mean, that's, so charismatic. <laughs> that's that's that happens a tons of I, like that's anybody who says that they have never found attraction to a video game character is full of shit. Yeah. Yeah, that, it's and like being attracted to a character in a in a film or TV show. Who who didn't yeah, think that Daniel Radcliffe was like I'm not gonna say hot, but because I you know was exposed to Harry Potter when I was younger. But you know you have those crushes on fictional characters, and then you learn. I always thought he was a little goofy looking, but I mean I'm he has my. If you want to go off of pure looks, like I can give you some more examples of fictional characters that I was like, oh, okay, Jon Snow, boom, great, great example that is contemporary, like Jon Snow. He's a good looking guy. Ooh. Oh yeah. <laughs> I didn't know we were gonna get screens. In Sorry, the I I uh, get no, really amped up about fantastic. Game of Thrones, but like that's here's some here's another even weirder dynamic to that. When I like think about Game of Thrones and the fictional characters that I'm like into, I don't immediately like think in my mind like oh like Jon Snow for sure. Like I almost think that he's like too much of a pretty boy, and instead like my default is that I'm like super into the hound how weird is that yeah you're strange (laughs) uh we Um, should cut that part out because i don't want people to know that i (laughs) oh no we're keeping in that you're into the hound (laughs) 
it's so weird like it got to the point where i like did research on that actor and apparently he's like really reclusive and like he he said he has no luck dating women in showbiz because they're absolutely crazy so i'm like okay i've got to fly to scotland and look for his boat and i'll meet him (laughs) at the dock and just be like hey (laughs) well at least you don't dream too big um uh let's see man of their list i'm not gonna say anything bad about their list games radar put up a good list for the i think the the first portal i really liked the story in that um they mentioned portal 2 which one has the cake portal one portal one um red dead redemption that's one that i really really like because i like the anti-hero and I love the ending, which I won't spoil because I know there's somebody out there who's going to play it that hasn't played it yet. Uh, um, the the first Telltale Walking Dead game I loved. Mm-hmm. Um, Last of Us was a good story. Oh my, it didn't get me real emotional. Oh my but... god, The Last of Us got me so emotional. That was, for me, that was the first game that I was like, oh my god, I am really attached to these characters. That was, like, yeah. kind of my renaissance of, like, oh, my God. I I can see now what video games can do in terms of storytelling. Like, I know right. I know everyone points to the moment with Ellie and, and the giraffes, uh, you know, when her and yeah. Noel are... That's his name, right? Noel? Joel. Joel. Oh, God, whoops. Um, her hey. and... <laughs> clearly, I wasn't as into him as i was like uh, worried about her but I, I maybe that was like the whole point of the story you get so attached to this young yeah. girl you care so much about her i don't care about joel he might even be dead in the next yeah. one so it, it was it, maybe yeah. i think a lot of naughty dogs games put a lot of stress not i think i know a lot of naughty dogs games put stress on the narrative like playing any of the uncharted games is like playing a blockbuster it's it's like watching it's like watching what is like the best action franchise you can think of like i don't want to say fast and furious because i haven't even i've only i've no. only seen the first like and i don't want to say mission impossible not. either because like i i stopped no. after the second one so lethal weapon lethal weapon, lethal weapon yeah. series. I, I wouldn't, and I don't want to compare it to a Marvel. I, it's its own thing and that's the point like game games shouldn't just be compared to other media because it's in like its own league it's it's something completely different which is what i was trying to get at in the beginning of this podcast and saying that gaming is such a unique experience because of the element of interaction but did you ever oh, did you ever find the game Planescape torment what was it sorry Planescape torment i, I don't know i i've never played this that. is this is before most people's time um this is back in the day of like the original Baldur's Gate and stuff. Oh, um, mm-hmm. and you play as this dude who's dead, and I'm not gonna lie, I'm cheating right now and, and going over the the synopsis because it's been forever since I played it. Mm-hmm. But <clears throat> um, can you remember? You play oh, as, sorry, go ahead. Uh, well, no, go ahead, because I'm, I'm trying to remember. Can you remember why why this game is memorable to you? Like, what what was it about the game that made you think, oh, what was that game that really made me feel this way? Or 
really made me think be, think about this. You know, can you remember what what that factor I, was that stuck with you? It was, yeah, it was the character. This this put it best. Uh, I'm just gonna read what this says because they they say it here on Wikipedia better than I do. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> so it's primarily story driven and combat is not prominently featured, which is not common at that time. Um, the protagonist, known as the Nameless One, is an immortal who has lived many lives. I'm seeing a theme here, but has forgotten all of them, even forgetting his own name. The game focuses on his journey through the city of Sigil and other planes to reclaim his memories of these previous lives. Several characters in the game may join the Nameless One on his journey, and most of these characters have encountered him in the past or have been influenced by his actions in some way, and he doesn't always remember it. And that's what got me is um, that fear of, like, my biggest fear in the world more than anything else is sleepwalking. Um, more than anything in, else in the world, your biggest fear is sleepwalking. Sleepwalking. I'm ter- not of other people sleepwalking, of myself sleepwalking, because my brain is making me do things that I'm not aware of, and that's scary to me for some reason. It, it's it's. I I mean I'm not scared of many things, but that's the thing. That's like oh god, I've never sleptwalk or sleepwalk. <laughs> or, or, or slept, whatever slept, you call it. Walked while sleeping. Yeah, I never walked while in slumber. <laughs> um, but, I, but I've always had this irrational fear of it. Or maybe it's a rational fear because it's my brain controlling my body without me having any input. And that makes me scared of my brain. Yeah. <laughs> what it could do when you put if it, it wanted to take over. Yeah, when you put it that way, I, I like get it a little bit more as a fear. I I uh I sometimes suffer from sleep paralysis and Oh god, that terrifies me too. Like it's only <laughs> happened like once. And it is it like when you're in cuz cuz sleep is supposed to be this restorative like safe your bed is safe, you know? And and when you right. when you kind of mess with the dynamics of I don't know, like lucid dreaming or your body is physically doing things while your mind is still asleep. You know, those, those are certainly disconcerting. Like I, I see now, like when you first said it, I wasn't sold on like, that's your deepest fear. But now that we're talking about it, yeah. I'm like, uh, okay, you have a and point. If I remember correctly, that's where the, and I'm probably, so here's the great thing about this podcast is Olivia does a lot of research and, and preparing and, I don't care if I'm wrong. Um, Like, I just, I'm going to throw things out there that I think I'm right on and let people correct me if I'm wrong. Um, But I think I saw somewhere that that is where, like, the idea that the succubus came from or some kind of demon came from is very early on people would have sleep paralysis and they would feel like something was sleeping on their chest. And that's where, like, the succubus is sitting on your chest and won't let you get up. I thought it... Before, you know, science. I thought a succubus was like being impregnated against your will uh that's a that's an incubus oh the incubus is the male version the succubus is the one that seduces people and it may not be the succubus because succubus is female Um, wait i thought you said incubus was when you are impregnated yeah the incubus is the male okay so he would be the one that impregnates you against your will. Oh, God. That sounds gross. 
but generally he's really good looking so you know <laughs> i'm just thinking of the did you ever play Pre-science. the witcher 3 uh mm-hmm. the wild hunt um there's like one of the demons that you encounter i thought she was called a succubus and she has like uh ram horns and is this like busty lady and yeah i remember yeah. like reading her description in the like bestiality <laughs> bestiality <laughs> be, reading the her bestiality. no 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 reading her page <laughs> in the bestiary not bestiality sorry oh that's God. Nice. <laughs> oh no that people get, are gonna be like who the hell is this girl she's so weird <laughs> <Well>. <laughs> Uh, he had hinted at her he had hinted about a new host coming on and she gets into bestiality uh, in the first episode what what is no, going on no. so, the, uh, so in the bestiary in the bestiary you like i was just like who's this random barmaid that i just like said she could leave the city because i didn't want to kill her like that that was often the choice i would make i i'm a very compassionate witcher player where i'm like oh like i'll avoid conflict when i can so when i oh man we played two totally different games i know we did (laughs) i have a lot of friends that made fun of me they're like i bet you're the person that like walks around people whenever you're in a city like you don't just like run and push past them i'm like no i also don't run over people with my horse because that's the way i do things (laughs) oh man i was the in The Witcher, I was the bring me all the women and bring me all the fights. And that's <laughs> that's who Geralt was to me. Yeah. And I, I realize I, I am. I love that role. Yeah. He, we should save this, discuss, like the Witcher discussion for a whole nother episode because I have a lot of, yet another character that I was like, I'm weirdly attracted to him, but I never thought the voice actor that they chose for him, like fit what I wanted him to be. And that might've just been my perception of the character. Um, but it's, it's cause I didn't voice him. I've heard that complaint from a thousand people that I should have been the voice of Geralt. Yeah. I have that gruff, that gruff been out there for a long time. Voice, not the Kermit the Frog voice. So that's, you know, that's what they wanted. To uh, that's what the problem was. I, yeah. I can, I guess um, I can see that, but yeah. to return, now, Geralt, I thought, I thought the voice actor, I thought like his voice was dead on, but you've, yeah. I thought it just came off as like way too cheesy and way too like trying. It was like trying too hard in my again from my perspective. And I I will not claim to be an expert on the the series. I I only have played the Wild Hunt, and so my opinion might not be as valid as people who've played all all what three three four game three games. Yeah. But, um, if they played the first two, I don't care what their opinion is because the first two were were almost impossible to get through. The the there was such a difference from one to two and then two to three. Two was two was good, but and one was good, but it was just so hard to play. Like three, they finally got it to where you could enjoy playing it as opposed mm-hmm. to fighting against the game. Mm. Um, so no, I, I, it's a perfectly valid point. If you don't like the voice, you don't like the voice. There's there's nothing wrong with that. I, I feel that way with with a lot of characters out there. I think Nathan Drake they nailed. Oh, um, oh yes. <laughs> oh <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, so, uh, Nathan Drake. Let's see. I'm trying to think of a female character that I thought they just got the voice dead on. Uh, um, I I can think of one that I, 
I had a lot of issues with and is very close to my heart if you want to I, I, I yeah. know we're, again, kind of veering off the path, but I'm enjoying talking about this. So if you want to keep going, I'm hey, willing that to was, keep I going. I told you the wrenches were going to come, and it was not going to go down the path you Perfect. wanted. It was going to be great. Perfect. <laughs> so I am a huge Laura Croft fan, and it's Laura, not Laura, even though I know I, yeah, just, I just said a second ago. I definitely pronounce yeah. it Laura, but... But uh, I grew up playing those games when she was all blocky and triangly with her pointy boobs and everything. And so when they had... Those were awesome. Ugh, no. Uh, I mean, yes, the games were great, but like, you know, whenever, looking back Whenever at I was 18, those were awesome. Yeah. So, <laughs> I, I mean, when that was like one of the first games I was exposed to when I was a kid. And so I, I remember thinking like, oh, this kick-ass girl is like running around with these guns strapped to her legs. Like, I thought it was so kick-ass. But uh, the reboot uh, uh, in 2013 and then the sequel, Rise of the Tomb Raider, absolutely incredible games. I love where they took it. I love how it was an origin story and she was just learning the ropes and and so on and so on. I I had a great time playing. I thought the voice actress for Lara did a great job because I, I watched a lot of like their behind the scenes footage where they did all the motion capture and she had the props and everything like that. But my one issue, and this is just something maybe that I've developed over the years analyzing so much film, but when women have this this like hysterical inhalation when they're crying, I think oh. I think it like immediately makes them it, it makes me want to distance myself from like relating to that character. And I'm not going to try and replicate it because I think I would blow your eardrums out. I mean, I guess oh, I, can I, mean, I, I, guess I could I can, try. I can fix the volume. I, I, don't, yeah, even let's, know. Let's, <laughs> I don't even know if I can. For those, okay. for those, those who haven't seen it, let's, okay. let's okay, get Okay, here we go. Because I actually, I, I guess I can draw from one of my Let's Plays that I made. So there's a part where uh, her mentor, Roth, like breaks his leg and then passes out from like getting attacked by a wolf or whatever and she's like oh god Rob (laughs) (laughs) and so and so when you're like inhaling at that high-pitched squeak it for me just like negates any validity to that like freaked out emotion because it just comes off as so hysterical and that might just be me purely like my own personal opinion but i've found i have these adverse reactions to when women do that and another example that i can point to is i don't know if you ever watched bates motel uh which is kind of like the origin story of norman bates from the original psycho um and i love i can't think of uh, i think her name is vera uh i can't think of the female actress's name that's uh who plays norma bates um sorry i'm gonna look it up real quick because i know it'll bother me her name is vera formiga i knew it was vera something vera i hope i pronounced that correctly farmiga formiga she's in the formiga Farmiga, but she's a very much a a white woman i don't think it's farmiga um yeah but i could be wrong um She's in the, uh, in not Insidious series. Is it Insidious? No, it's, uh, it's the... Ho- Paranormal Activity? No, what is the horror series? I don't watch any of the horror uh, stuff, so I don't know. Well, we can talk about that because I am a huge horror fan. Uh, oh, it man. is... I, I like, 
I like movies that are scary because of atmosphere, not because of jump scares. Can you have both? I think you can. Right? Yeah, I think that you can have some jump scares in it, but movies that rely on jump scares to scare you, they don't worry about building up the atmosphere. Those don't really get me. I feel but, like you're thinking of a specific example, and I want to know which one. But Well, I'm, I'm not really... Like, for the atmosphere <laughs> side, the, uh, the Blair Witch Project, there was no jump scares, and we were terrified whenever we went to see that. Yeah. And that was before, you know... They did that whole, uh, vir- like, one of the early viral campaigns that this is what really happened. And there were no jump scares. It was just shaky cam footage and stuff like that. But, you know, then you have movies like uh, like the Paranormal Activity. Mm-hmm. It's not really building up an atmosphere. It's just things are going to jump out and be loud. And who cares? Like, see, yeah, you're going to make me jump because my body reacts to loud explosions around it. No, see, I disagree. I, I think Paranal Activity did a really great job of building up the atmosphere because they relied so heavily on the, like, found footage, home footage aspect. Maybe I'm thinking of something different then. Um, it's it's one of the more recent series that they've done a number. I think, I don't know. I don't watch them enough, but I, I know that there's some out there that are just straight up only jump scares just to scare you and they and they don't build you into the that creepy feeling before it happens yeah Um, there's no dread right and you need that dread for a good scary movie and it's it's just like a haunted house like if you go into the haunted house and it's just walk down this hallway and get jumped out by a clown with a chainsaw and then walk down this hallway and somebody's gonna jump up and go But whenever you go into one and it, you can't see and you're having to fill the wall and you see something glowing but nothing ever pops out, then you're like, okay, I can let my guard down a little bit. And then something does right afterwards and you're like, oh, jeez, oh, God. <laughs> that's where it's like, you know, they build you up and they trick you into it. And, you you know, that's the same thing with the movie. Like, you can jump out at me. But first, like, start – like, The Exorcist was so good about that. It's just – it's not really a scary movie today, but the atmosphere was so brutal going into that that, you know, you're terrified for what was going to happen to this girl and the priest and the people in there. And it was scary stuff. And uh, I don't know, I, I like some of the later, I guess, uh, Halloween's and uh uh, Nightmare on Elm Street and stuff. Those were more jump scare than atmosphere. Well, if you if you think like The Exorcist was, I think the only other film, a horror film that was ever nominated for an Academy Award. And so this year, you know, to bring it into present day, Get Out is nominated now for an Academy Award, and it's a horror film. And I have you seen Get Out, Chris? No. Who was it that did it? Uh, Jordan Peele. He directed it. Uh, it was who's in it? Uh, oh gosh, I can't think of the main the main actor's name. The main actor was also in Black Panther. Hang on, I'll look it up real quick. Get out. Um, His name is Daniel Kaluuya. 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 Yeah. Oh. And uh, Allison William from Girls, and uh, they had a really great cast. But uh, just to give you a little bit of a premise, uh, this. A black man is dating a white woman and uh, they go to her parents' house and they're kind of like in a blue blood society and things go 
things start to seem weird from the get-go and and then things just go very very badly um that's all i'm going to give you if you haven't seen it because it's really great and you should definitely watch it because i don't think that i have wanted to because jordan pill is attached to it. yeah yeah he this is his like first feature film and he's known for all of his yeah. comedy work so it is oh, Kia Pillar, incredible that he made this film because it it's not just a horror movie. It's a horror movie that actually is trying to it's communicate a message and and start a conversation about race dynamics. And it it's on top of all that that complexity. It's it's scary. It's really scary. I will tell you. Have you ever watched the original Night of the Living Dead? The one in black and white. Yeah. Yeah, I have. That is one of my all-time favorite films. Uh, I studied it whenever I was in film school. And the very end of it, it, it sounds like this to an extent. It sounds like it's the same way that it's a zombie movie. But at the end, they come in and there's a black man who's protecting. And this was, what, in the 60s that it came out? No, it was before that, I think. Or no, 50s? I can look it up real quick if you want. Civil Civil rights and stuff were really starting to take off at that point. And, you know, you had your... your uh, colored fountains and your white fountains is what they called them i know it's an offensive term but that's what it was called i'm not gonna i'm not gonna wash over what terminology was used except for one word oh you were Um, right it was 1968 okay so so civil rights was still kind of this thing so i guess this was kind of after uh, segregation wasn't well segregation was still going on in places Mm -hmm. but um the great thing is the end of that movie after this black guy protects you know these people and helps them as much as he can this uh, being from texas he sounds like a texas sheriff walks up and they shoot him and they're like oh he was a zombie and they know he wasn't and it at that point it was just uh making a statement like if people have the opportunity to do terrible things they probably will and he had every way to do it. And I just, I, that's why I love that movie so much because it ended on such a, like you're watching it, it's just a scary movie, a traditional scary zombie movie. But it ended on like a very poignant political note at that point of the the writer's opinion of but what they wanted to do. I feel like the way that you're describing it and the way you're talking about it now is you watching it as a contemporary viewer looking back on the way it it like the way you perceive it but at the time it was the first movie that ever portrayed zombies in that fashion uh created yeah. fear in the heart it of viewers in that fashion i'm not so sure what viewers at that time would make of the ending are you i don't know i let's let's table that for one of our future hot button discussions okay. um because i I think that's one that's worth digging into and doing some research on to find out. Because, and I have to watch the movie again, just like yeah, I'd need to watch some it point, again. Yeah, we need to play through The Witcher again and and have a whole I'm, Witcher episode. I'm still playing through The Witcher for God's sake. Oh, <laughs> well, okay. Um, uh, I am. You know, I don't have much on my plate right now, so I can get to that. I'm sure. Um, so. Yeah, so but I, I think that maybe we should do that as another one of our stories that's coming up. 
this is this is how this podcast is going by the way all of you new listeners because every one of you is new to this um olivia and i have a conversation you get to listen in and that's how it works um, yeah, we'd love but I think input, that's a, right? I'd, I'd love. Uh, yeah. And you, you and, said before, I, I do I do a, a lot of research and try and be structured, and you fly by the seat of your pants and are willing to be corrected. And I'd like to state for the record, I would also love to be corrected if anything I ever say is yeah. is wrong. Like, I, I'm i I'm just doing my best here. And if, I, I love and, feedback. And our, love feedback. Yeah, and, and that's what we want. And we did open up the at gaming underscore Astoria Twitter. So you can hit us there finally. I finally got off my butt and did it. Woo. Um, so we actually have a Twitter that is under Gaming Astoria. Now I should probably go ahead and set up the Astoria Network one since we're moving it into something bigger. Um, but yeah, I think that would be an interesting conversation because I do want to see if that was the original intention of the movie um, was to make a statement about race relations or if it just happened to be a byproduct of how they wanted to end it yeah because um, who directed that or I'll, yeah, we will save this for Craven? later Wes craven or something no he's way too contemporary Not craven. yeah um, hang on i'll wow. look um, george a romero yeah romero why do i think craven romero is a whole different ball i think Wes um, craven did like dawn of the dead or scream. something yeah yeah or he did one of the halloweens i think or no what did he yeah, he was Scream. You're right. You're right. He's a Scream guy. Yeah, he kind of he revived horror films whenever they were almost dead, because um, Scream kind of brought it all back. Yeah, and a Nightmare um, on Elm Street. He, he, oh yeah, he yeah. Directed he directed a did, Nightmare on Elm Street. Yeah. Okay. Wow. So welcome to the uh, movie historia. Yeah, we we <laughs> took a, took a turn there. <laughs> I don't even know how we got onto the. Oh yeah, because we were talking about the. Uh, I don't know how it was. It was um, kid. Oh, it was when I was doing my Laura Croft uh, voice reenactment, and I then I trailed weird. into Vera Farmiga and how she would do that same thing in Bates Motel, and it would drive me insane because she she is such a wonderful character in that show, and it just was always so off putting when she would do that. Uh, but you know, I guess they're going for a very specific affect with that very emotional inhale um and that's kind of yeah it almost feels like like that kind of scream is is almost uh i'm gonna get hate for this but it feels almost like the anime female character that you see in in different anime shows Uh, that hmm. overreacts and that's almost what that feels like to me because you know more of a grounded performance Anime, it needs to be over the top. That's what anime is about. Um, but for something like Laura Croft with, with the new Tomb Raiders, yeah, she was very grounded compared to her previous versions. And so, I totally, yeah, I totally get the overreaction. Yeah, I, I agree. <clears throat> I, I think grounded is a very, very good word to use because she's supposed to be gritty and tough and she gets beat up and stabbed and attacked by wild animals and and like i and she looks like she's not gonna have back problems by the time she's yeah yeah. and (laughs) and i and like she's learning to be this like tough survivor and i certainly i'm not saying that that persona can't cry and can't be vulnerable and can't show these very 
very intense emotions, but I, I just think that might have been a little misdirected in, in delivery. That's all. It may be. And, and I wonder if that's partly just the nature of the medium, because whenever you get into movie or TV, you know, the slightest eye twitch can say, I mean, the slightest eyebrow twitch can say a lot. But in a game, we're not, you know, we're kind of in that, this term isn't 100% correct, but we're kind of in that uncanny valley That's where they're starting to look real, but they they can't show emotion to the level that a human can. So maybe that's kind of they're just overcompensating for it and they, they're not at the point yet where they're comfortable enough that they're portraying the emotion through their faces. Yeah. And that Hellblade game, I think, is making leaps towards that. Um, was it Hellblade? Senua's, Senua's Sacrifice. Yeah. Still haven't played it. Been thinking about picking it up. But you know, I... I my plate is so full right now, I, I couldn't touch it. Yeah, I understand. And I I haven't played it either, but I have watched a, a gameplay footage in, like, the beginning of a playthrough. Um, and yeah. I was actually a little afraid to play the game if i'm going to be completely honest because i know that it deals with uh this young woman's uh kind of mental struggle of dealing with like the entire annihilation of her celtic clan or or something like that right. it, i know it's like irish folklore based or norwegian or i i'm i'm not entirely sure but i i know it has something yeah. to do with like celtic myth and folklore um but the way it was presented, it's like very like nightmarish. I don't know if you remember the teaser yeah. trailers, but she'll she's like standing in front of that tree with her family like hanging from the tree, and I was just like really distraught after watching that. And and when I it was brutal, yeah, and and watching the playthroughs, like she's fighting these like fire demons, and it's it's just really like gritty and and and. I, I don't know. I, I haven't mustered up the courage, I guess, to, to commit and play it because it it seems like it it would be a very emotionally taxing game to play. And that's exactly what we've been talking yeah. about this whole time. Like those kinds of games that are like delivering an experience to the player that is that is outside the norm. Yeah, I saw I saw an article today about it somewhere that they say they got depression wrong in it. I, I can't remember where it is. If if I find it again, I'll I'll tweet it or something that this was the article I read. But but maybe that'll be something that down the line we'll cover that as as well as a few other <clears throat> just very very depressing games all in our depression episode or something um, where we just try to make each other cry. Um, you and me try and make each other cry. <laughs> yeah yeah we just we play the most depressing stuff we can and then. We'll talk about it and, and we'll see if, you know, we'll just try to survive an episode yeah. of just talking about the most depressing games out there. I can um, it, I can cry at the drop of a hat if I'm going to be completely honest. Like, I'm a, I'm a crier and I'm not afraid to admit that. That's going to be awesome. Yeah. That's going to be awesome. We're going to we're going to change this to tear cast. <laughs> Um, we go from steamy cast to bestiality <laughs> cast to tear cast this is a just a rate we try and cover every range of emotion yeah we're gonna hit it all it's gonna be a uh, a mess 
No, but a beautiful mess. <laughs> but it's going to be a beautiful yeah. mess. Boom. <laughs> Chemistry leveled up. <laughs> we... We have decided that anytime we say the same thing at the same time on a podcast, the two people on there, it's a chemistry level up. Level up. So we have Cha-ching. A, we yep, need a, so we a sound up. effect to go with that. I will. I'll put it in. Yeah. I'll put it in the post. <laughs> um, yeah, because Colby and I did that on Gaming Historia, which if you haven't listened to, you should go check out. Um, but in Gaming Historia, we both said the same. We, Yeah, we both were talking about Bayonetta being in 720p and still being a beautiful game. Um and we said it at the same time. We're like, oh, chemistry level up. Um, so that is now a tradition in how things work. Um, Perfect. What else? Do we have more stuff that we're wanting to cover? Um, you know, we've we've pretty much hit on all of the big points. We didn't really talk about, uh, like, mindfulness in gaming. And, and I don't know if um, you remember when you, started, when you brought up how you've begun practicing certain elements of um, Buddhism. Uh, and I asked, like, yep. do you know what flow is? But I uh, do you remember that article that I tried to direct you to and it ended up being the completely yes. wrong article? <laughs> so <Yeah. laughs> so the article that I actually meant to uh, attach uh, talked about this kind of uh, this mental state that you can reach. Uh, and it, it's kind of uh, tying in with this idea of being like a mindful gamer. And so when you reach this state, it's called flow, and it, I think, uh, can can be related to certain practices in meditation and certainly uh, certain ideas in, in Buddhism. Um, but I guess flow is, is like reaching this uh, awareness, uh, and it's, I guess, described as like kind of an optimal state of, of, the only way I can describe it is like being in the groove. And once you're in that zone, it's your like flow state. And so I've done more research after I've uh, really gotten back into my gaming. And and that's kind of where initially I thought the direction of this podcast was going was talking about gaming affecting people in a, in a healthy manner in terms of helping you achieve <laughs> mindfulness, reach that zone, reach that groove. Like you you are able to tune everything else out and just enjoy being in the moment and experiencing that game. And that is where it was going. Yeah. And then I started throwing wrenches like Donkey Kong. No, 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 no. <laughs> and it, went, it went way off. But the great thing is next week, let's hit that one. Yeah. I mean, I, I, yeah, I, I'm just, I think we've hit a lot of great points. So I, I I'm not upset. I mean, about- we went, we went an hour and a half. We this podcast is longer than the game that we talked about. You can be the first tree in an hour and a half. I I think you can, yeah. Yeah, I did it. I did it in like ninety two minutes, and right okay. now, pre editing, we're at ninety two minutes. Yeah. Oh dear. I'm... <laughs> so, and and that's that's what I I mean that's what you're gonna get out of this one. Um. This show, uh, before we started, actually, Olivia asked what our time frame is. I said, until we're done. And that's what this is always going to be. If we have an episode that's three hours, we may split it over two weeks, but we'll record the three hours in one sitting, so you'll just kind of get it to be continued. But whatever happens, wherever the conversation goes, we're going to let it go because she does a lot of research, which I I kind of do. I just I don't write it down, and I don't think on it i kind of just react to 
to the moment. And so it gives us this really good dynamic for this conversation that's going to take us a lot of places. And we hope that it resonates well with all of you out there that are listening. Um, yeah. Because you're going to get into this expecting to hear, oh, they're going to talk about some stories and games. You didn't know we were going to get into bestiality. <laughs> you had no clue that was coming. You didn't know you were going <laughs> to hear me recreate Lara Croft's yeah. inhalation shriek, which I think yeah, I did you got... great, by the way. <laughs> I think it was perfect. I think that it will be the intro song. Originally, before we started, I had to prove that I could recite the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air yes. intro song, and I did it word for word. Word for word. we thought word. about using that. Yeah. Yep. Even even with the correct timing. It was the correct um, timing. Although I will say your delivery and emphasis could have had a little more enthusiasm. But I know that was because you were like, should 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 I keep going? Should I really keep going? But like, yes, it was it was bomb. It was great. Yeah. I I what I'll do before next week's as our as our pre show pump up is I will do the real thing. <laughs> The West Philadelphia, yeah. you know, I'll get, I'll get like really deep into it. I'll, I'll get, I'll get my 1990s Will Smith clothes on because I still have some. Yes. Um, and I will, I'll turn the hat and I'll get Jazzy Jeff to show up and we'll get, we'll get deep into the, you know, parents just don't understand time frame. Um, <laughs> you know, and we'll, uh. We'll get we'll get about the we'll get deep into the Fresh Prince, but we were talking oh, about using that we could, as a joke as the intro. Yeah, we could do like a whole nostalgia ins- episode. Oh, for sure. And uh, instead, we're going to use your scream as the intro. God, no! So people have no idea what to expect. Oh, people are um, going to be like, "Nope, turn it off. Uh, yep, unsubscribe." D- <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, we will. Uh, we will find some music. So whatever music you heard at the beginning of this. Uh, we don't know what it sounds like yet, so we hope you like it. Um, and I hope we like it too. I do too. <laughs> and we're gonna we're gonna team up on finding the right thing. Yeah. But um, we mentioned I mentioned it with Colby in the Gaming Historia podcast that podcasting is time traveling. So we're recording on March the first, and this is not coming out until March the sixth. Is it's gonna be our Wednesday, Wednesday show? Yeah, I think that's the right. Date. Yeah, let me look. So we have no idea what it's going to sound like whenever it's done. March 7th. We just get on a, March 7th. So we just start running. Um, but, so I guess we're going to start wrapping it up here. Um, yeah. So we'll we'll get in more information about where to contact us and everything in the next episode. Where you know this is this is our initial trial stuff. We got to get you know how we want to be contacted and stuff set up if it's going to be all under the gaming story aside if we're going to set up a story network so we'll worry about that next week but do follow us at gaming underscore historia on twitter um and i will say this next uh oh i'm i'm doc browning this for a second i'm trying to think how time's gonna Mm -hmm. work so after you hear this one the next gaming historia which will be on march the 12th will be co-hosted by olivia instead of colby because colby has decided that real life has to happen and, and he can't put his whole life on hold for me every <laughs> single day. What a jerk. Um, <laughs> I know. So he, he, it's, it's nothing big, He but he's just going to be tied up that week. And, and uh, so Olivia is going to step in and she's going to do a guest co-host spot on Gaming Astoria. And oh. then you'll hear her two days later on 
this this yeah on um on i have so many names in my head now that i'm trying to in search of the story yeah sos (laughs) we yeah sos so we the reason that i cannot remember the name of this podcast off the top of my head like that is because it had like 15 names until now we've been really Um, brainstorming it has been an evolution with this name right and we are going to drop a little hint because Olivia is a big part of the other podcast that we are working on. We're not going to give a lot of information, but I will tell you that <clears throat> it's going to be, if you think this is a long podcast, what we have coming down the line, hopefully is our next show. We may have something else come up before that is going to be ridiculous. It's, it's going to be multi-part really deep diving into some stuff. Olivia's doing a lot to help research on that. We're really going to start diving into to some more stuff. we got some touchy subjects coming in. We're getting more people. You're going to have more hosts showing up soon. Um, so stay tuned at Gaming, Histori- Gaming underscore Historia on Twitter is the best place for this week. Next week we'll be good to go with, with where to contact us. We're trying to decide, like I said, how we want to separate it out. So, um, But for now, just find us there and you can follow us there. Mm-hmm. Thanks for listening. So, yeah, and I think this is fantastic. I I hope that you guys enjoyed Olivia's debut into the podcasting. Oh yeah, this is the f- as much as I did. I I had a blast, so I'm looking forward to our future episodes. This was incredibly fun and got completely off track as I expected. <laughs> I, those monkey riches, I'm telling you, like Donkey Kong to your. You built up the structure and I tore yeah. it down and it was awesome. It, it worked so, out. So, all right. Well, if you guys have questions, want to know more about us, we did not get a whole lot of people who cared about the Colby and Chris Q&A. If you want a Q&A from us, let us know. We will do one. Otherwise, we're going to wait for a while. Um, so, but if you want to know more about us, let us know and we will schedule. We will set up something for that. Um, if you don't care who we are, you just want to hit, put us in your ear holes. We can do that too. Um, you'll learn about us by listening because our filters are not very good. <laughs> the so, filter, no work. Um, yeah, as you can tell by some of the things that she spoke about tonight. Yeah. I was the good one today. Yeah. Um, so, <laughs> thank you guys so much. We appreciate you listening to it. Uh, hopefully, by the time this is up, it's on Apple and Google. Uh, SoundCloud, all that stuff. Just follow us wherever you listen to your podcast, and we will talk at you next week. And